a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Leelon Sperry. Uh, again, just a reminder, you make your way over to my Facebook page right now and you can find uh, the entirety of President Donald Trump's farewell remarks, about 20 minutes in length. If you have 20 minutes, I invite you to to have a listen. We were able to play only portions of that address here on the program, the beginning, uh, where he listed many of uh, what he estimates to be the achievements of his administration, uh, and that continued uh, down into the address deeper. And so, anyway, I think... As I, you know, preach the, the doctrine of, uh, get yourself informed, expose yourself to source information and source documents and firsthand accounts, uh, regardless of your politics, uh, I think that at junctures like this in American history and world history, uh, that, uh, you know, hearing from the players involved, uh, you know, even if you disagree vehemently with much of, of their behavior and actions, uh, this one's worth watching. About 19 minutes of your time, you can find it on the Lee Lonsberry, uh, live mic. Facebook page. Have a listen. All right. Uh, we have about seven minutes of program left, and I want to talk to you uh, about something we touched on earlier today, and it is the rollout of the vaccine across the country. Uh, there are some uh, organizations that are tracking how long uh, it is taking to get these vaccines into the arms of individuals. Specifically, uh, what is being tracked is the percentage of shots given per state compared to the doses distributed. So, uh, like, here in the state of Utah, here, let me, I've got a big, long list of all the states. I'll scroll down uh, to Utah. I'll tell you the, the U.S. total for percentage of doses used when you compare shots given to doses distributed. The nationwide average is 39%. 39%. Utah is doing a bit better than that at 48%. 48%. So, uh, you know, relatively, uh, that's okay. We're ahead of the average. Uh, but, you know, you, you'd like, you'd like us to be at about 100%. In fact, the only, the only group that right now is, uh, demonstrating 100% of vaccines, uh, used compared to vaccines received, the Bureau of Prisons. The Bureau of Prisons has, uh, received 16,750 doses of the vaccine and distributed that many to those within the system. The Bureau of Prisons, 100%. Uh, but let's focus for a moment on Washington. The state of Washington uh, right now stands at 35%. That's behind the national average. The governor there and some companies headquartered there uh, see that as a significant problem. And I think, you know, based on the nature of things, you can understand why. Uh, specifically, uh, Starbucks CEO uh, Kevin Johnson, he says that he and his company have uh, done the math and they understand that they may, Starbucks, 
may have some expertise they they have developed over the years within their company that might aid to the more rapid distribution of this vaccine. Just did the math and figured out at this rate of vaccinations, it's going to take six, seven, eight years for this country to get vaccinated. And we can't we can't think that's an acceptable pace. Efficiency. Efficiency is something uh, that Starbucks prides itself on. That, you know, pouring the cup of coffee, doing it quickly, getting it to the customer as soon after they place the order as is possible is their bread and butter. And it takes, you know, a special eye looking at a workflow or a a supply chain or a distribution network to see when efficiencies uh, are, are there for the taking. If maybe uh, something about the situation is not exactly efficient at the moment, what can be done to fix that? Starbucks thinks it can figure that out and answer that question. And so it is that Starbucks is joining up with the state of Washington, specifically uh, the Governor Jay Inslee, to see if they can root out some of the inefficiencies. People might hear Starbucks. How are they going to help in the vaccinations? Well, you notice they've been pretty good uh, delivering coffee with good coffee around the world. They have logistical assistance, which is uh, quite helpful. In fact, training other entities how to run a high-throughput vaccination center. I was inspired by uh, portions of that. I'm inspired by the fact that there is, uh, you know, a private company with, uh, and again, you've got to forget politics. I, I know you associate Starbucks with, uh, you know, a certain brand of politics, but set that aside, please. We're trying to distribute vaccines. Uh, let's take the objective strengths and apply them objectively and get these vaccines here distributed. Uh, well, if you take the strengths of one organization or individual and get creative about how you apply them. Uh, great innovation can transpire. Uh, I'm reminded of a, of a story about a man named Dean Kamen. Have you ever heard that name before? Dean Kamen. Interestingly, you may know Dean Kamen as the inventor of the Segway. Yeah, if you ever go to Washington, D.C., uh, some other time than now, you'll find <laughs> herds of these folks driving around town on segways taking a tour. Well, Dean Kamen invented that. He also is a bit of a tinkerer on his own and, in fact, has amassed a, a fortune and a, a manufacturing empire of sorts where he, uh, through inventions of his own mind, has addressed many of the problems facing the world including uh, water filtration. He once developed a filtration system that could filter a massive amount of water in a very compact package. He, when visiting uh, some countries in the third world, observed that, oh my gosh, we need to get these machines here to these people. And he didn't know exactly how to do it. But one thing he noticed while in those travels is that everywhere he looked, he could probably see some evidence of coca-cola being there either a billboard or a t-shirt or an empty bottle from that he observed that wow coca-cola's got distribution figured out so he approached coca-cola and he said hey listen uh is there any way that i could leverage your ability to distribute uh and use that to get my water purification package out to these communities in the third world that need it so much coca-cola said uh yes if yes if you help us upgrade our soda fountains. We want something that's cleaner, easy, more easy to maintain, and more precise, something that preserves the integrity of our product. And so it was that Dean Kamen, the man who wanted to distribute this water purification system, invented 
what we now know pretty much as the only way to get Coke products in a restaurant. That little touchscreen deal where it shoots the flavor, uh, squirts into the carbonated water. Dean Kamen invented that in exchange for the distribution abilities of the Coca-Cola company so that he could get clean water to places around this world that needed it. Sometimes when you have a unique skill set and a unique vision, you need to partner up with others who have similarly unique and uh, interesting ways of looking at things so as to solve the big problems. Right now, we're seeing that from Starbucks. Right now, we're seeing that from Microsoft. And if we cross our fingers hard enough, we may see more and more companies with unique skill sets stepping up and helping bridge the gap between <laughs> the vaccine and those arms around the country in need. That's it for today's program. Tomorrow, huge day. Inauguration of the 46th President of the United States. Full coverage here on Live Mike tomorrow. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.